morning, everybody, and welcome to the service this morning. Um, it's lovely to have you, and if you're visiting with us, it's uh, a special welcome to Adelaide Road this morning. On the front of your order service, you'll see that the boys and girls are learning another I am, and I thought I might just read that to you this morning. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And uh, that lovely picture, I am the vine, talking of Jesus, and you are the branches. So uh, you're the branches, Jesus is the vine. And I was struck particularly by those words, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that sense of remaining and apart is a contrast, isn't it? And what we want to do is be in Christ and, uh, yeah, just to be close to him. So we're going to sing about that, aren't we now? Lord, I come before your throne of grace. And the reason that we're able to come before the throne of grace is because of the work of Jesus on the cross and the curtain being torn in two, as we'll hear later on. So let's stand and worship God in these words. Lord, I come before your throne of grace. Well, let's come and talk to God in prayer. Uh, let's draw close to our faithful God. Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity to sing your praise and to uh, contemplate what it means to come before this amazing place, which is the throne of grace. And there we see you seated, uh, exalted, powerful, strong, and able to do all that we ask if it is in your will. And Father, yet we come as well and we see this amazing reality of grace because the reason that you're there is through the cross. And Father, I pray that we will come into your presence as we've been singing and that we will rest in your presence, that we will know peace in our hearts through forgiveness, that we will be aware that even though we are not the people that we should be, that our thoughts and attitudes, our actions and lack of actions uh, really contradict what we should be and are in Christ, that we can come to you and say that we're sorry. And Father, so we're sorry for our sins. We're sorry for the things that grieve you. We're sorry for the lack of love that we've shown to others and the lack of commitment that we have towards you. And Father, we pray that you will just simply, as it were, cleanse us from those through your blood, and yet we know that that was not a simple act. So we rest in your presence. And Father, sometimes when we come into your presence, as we've been singing, you are the light in the darkness. And perhaps you have been shining, even as we've begun this morning, things about our lives that are not right. And I pray, Father, that as you shine those, your light of your word and the light of your presence on our own hearts, that we will not run away from you, but that, Father, that we will open our hearts, and that we will open our minds, and that we will allow you to minister even to those parts of us which we want to hold from you. So shine in our darkness. And, Father, we thank you that you grant us peace and that you bring us comfort in suffering. 
And Father, we, I don't know the needs of our people here. I know that uh, many of our number are sick. Uh, we think of the Wilson family today who grieve the loss of a mother and a grandmother uh, and a good woman. And Father, we pray that your comfort will be real to them today. And Father, I suppose as we start our service, we pray that we may be encouraged simply because you are our faithful God. And that whether life is good to us at the moment or whether life is difficult, whether we're struggling or whether we're confident, Father, we look to you, our faithful God, and we put our hope in you. So be with us, we pray, as we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, read or look at uh, Mark chapter 15, verses 15, following. It's page 1022. I think Katie's going to come and read that to you now, and then speak to the boys and girls. So, if you want to be looking that up, Mark chapter 15, we're going to be looking at the cross. So the reading should be on page 1,022 of your Bibles. Has everybody found it? Chapter 15 of the Gospel of Mark, verse 15. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. And falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness 
came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if all my young friends could come on down, you're the next contestants on The Price is Right. They don't seem very excited. Come on down. Yes. Now, how this game works is that I'm going to show you an item from my box, and I will give you three chances to guess the correct price, and then I will reveal the actual cost, okay? So, our first item today is a liter of milk. Produced right here in Ireland, this liter of milk goes perfect with your breakfast cereal or in a cup of tea, and is the perfect size to fit in the side door of any refrigerator. I will take three guesses. One what? One euro. We'll go with one euro. One euro. One euro sixty. Ninety cents. And the correct price is seventy-five cents. You were all over, but applause to Scott for being the closest. Our next item is the ultimate puzzle. With only 16 pieces, none of them the same shape, can you create a four by four square? With 48 possible solutions, it's the game that keeps on giving. I'll take three guesses. 350. 10. 5. And correct price is 10 euros. Well done. Applause to Mateus. Our next item is a box of psalms in color. All the way from the US of A. 44 beautifully designed cards with scripture verses from the book of psalms. Charlie. 10. Huh? Five. Five what? Five euro. Five euro. 450. 450. Ooh, but how many dollars then? Ten. Okay, so we've got ten dollars, five euro, and four euro fifty. And it's four dollars and fifty cents. If you guys have been together, you would have had the perfect guess. Now our last item for the day is sin. 
anything we think, say, or do that goes against what God says. It's all of the wrong things we have done and all of the good things that we haven't done. Now, there are a lot of ways to describe the cost of sin, but I want you to think back to the scripture that I just read, and we're going to use that to define the price of sin today. Now, who was paying for sin? Who was paying for sin in the reading? Scott, who was paying for sin? Jesus was paying for sin. And when Jesus paid for sin, what was the cost? What kinds of things happened to him? Dylan. He got spat on and Mm -hmm. treated badly. Yeah, so he got spat on, he was treated badly. He died. He was separated from God. He was separated from God. Well, he, he is God. Good uh, questions to ask your parents later. So, there are, there are lots of costs to sin. The cost of sin includes pain and suffering and ultimately death. I said You did. But... Jesus was perfect, and he never sinned, never once. Then why was he paying for the sins of the whole world? And so the last time I spoke to you guys, I compared Jesus to a special kind of animal. Does anyone remember what the animal was? A lamb? A lamb, yes. I called Jesus the Passover lamb. Now, the Passover lamb in the book of Exodus had to be completely perfect. But in order to protect the Israelites from death, the lamb had to die. And its blood had to be spread on the tops and sides of the door frames to mark that that house was where the people of God lived. And in a similar way, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior then God sees us through Jesus' blood, and it protects us, God's people, from the death that we deserve because of our sin. And in fact, it completely washes away all of our sins. Now, everything has a cost, and the cost of sin is incredibly high. You can't pay the price by saving up lots of euros or dollars or hey eyes or anything. You can't pay the price by doing lots of good things or by avoiding doing wrong things. The precious blood of Jesus is the only way to pay the price of sin and still offer forgiveness and a relationship forever with a loving God. And so to help us remember just how precious and valuable the blood of Jesus is, we're going to learn a new song. It's called Nothing But the Blood. And so in each verse, it will make a statement or ask a question. So here it says, what can wash away my sin? And each time we're going to respond with nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so can you sign that all with me? We're going to go, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Remember, he was pierced in his hands, so the blood is going to drip down. 
And then to make the sign for Jesus, we put the nails into his hands. Okay, so practice that one more time. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then each time on the chorus, it starts with O. Can you make an O? O. We're going to go, O precious. You're going to take hold of it and never let go. Precious is the flow. When it talks about flow, it's talking about the blood of Jesus. So we're going to make the same sign. The flow that makes me. We've learned this one before for create. Create and make are the same thing. It makes me white as snow. Can you make the snow fall from the sky? And no other fount. I know. We've been learning this upstairs, right? I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Okay, so let's stand and sing. Thank you, Katie. That was good. And uh, that's uh, the sermon in a nutshell. So there we go. That's great. Um, folks, if you are uh, got your order service, we'll quickly go through these announcements. Again, just lovely to see you in church. Um, uh, lovely to have the boys and girls, of course, and they're away to do their own thing uh, as we uh, look at why did Jesus suffer uh, or why did Jesus have to suffer uh, for us in a moment or two. So we'll continue this series next Sunday as well. Um, it's Palm Sunday. Um, and we'll be looking at what was achieved, and that's uh, the next chapter in your book. There probably are a few books out there if you haven't got one, um, one per family, uh, one per person in, in, in that way. And uh, we're looking at justification, uh, lots of big issues in there, and we'll just have a, a potted view of them next week. If you want to read a scripture, it's Romans chapter 3, 21 to 31. Um, then on your seats, you should have got these uh, little cards. Um, um, as someone pointed out to me, transformation. Uh, really, it should be transformation. So if you've got no cross, you have no transformation. Um, and uh, the speaker is Joe Donnelly. Do take this with you. There are more out there if you want to give more out. Uh, we um, just want to encourage you to start to pray for that over the next two weeks. <clears throat> Um, plan to invite friends if you can and attend uh, yourselves. We're meeting on Wednesday and Thursday evenings and on Friday at 11 o'clock, as you'll see. Uh, we do need help then in the mornings of Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, David is going to man a, a sort of a gazebo stall at the front, and we'll be serving free tea and coffee and hot cross buns, uh, with, uh, which have a story, of course, of the cross, and we tell that in the, in the package. Um, uh, we're going to have fridge magnets to give away um, and uh, just talk to people as well. So we need help. Not, not everybody has to be on the street if that's too scary for you, uh, but if you'd like to do that, we'd love to have you, yeah, even for an hour or two, uh, we'd do that from about, um, well, I think David, uh, if you talk to David, uh, he needs help buttering um, or, or getting the, uh, the hot cross buns ready, setting up all of those kind of things. So if you can help on Wednesday or Thursday, really from about 9 o'clock through to 2 o'clock at any stage, you'll be more than welcome. Is that about right, David? And David's here, and you can talk to him as well. But do take these away. Pray for the event, and if you can invite your friends and neighbors, uh, then do so, and we'll be inviting people, of course. And the banner will go up this week, and the poster at the front as well. So do just pray for that uh, transformation and uh, the whole event, please. Uh, all the other things there, just to go to number five, you'll see that the, 
Um, I mentioned this last week. We're just highlighting again the moderator, um, the Right Reverend Charles McMullen, has launched an appeal for Mozambique, Malawi, and Zimbabwe. I mean, this has disappeared from our news, as is the case, and we often then forget about it. Uh, but there is a huge humanitarian uh, need out there. Uh, Malawi, in particular, uh, is, a, is a country that the Presbyterian Church in Ireland is very involved in, has a lot of missionaries out there, has been involved for many years. And we have people, of course, from Zimbabwe. And uh, I'm not sure if we have anybody from Mozambique uh, uh, with us, but uh, we want to support those countries as best we can. So do um, think about that, pray about it. If you want to give something, uh, put it in an envelope and place it on the offering plate. Then a new announcement at number six. Um, I'm not quite sure whether the standard of my English is good, but um, you really... I, I've been doing this for some months now uh, with, some, uh, with a, a family. I've been sending the sermon, which I finish on Sunday morning about nine o'clock, um, and then I sort of email it to them. And so they have been saying to me if you, that it might be helpful for others to have that if, you don't, if you're struggling to understand uh, the English, understanding me in that sense. Um, I, I put it in terms of English and not theology. Um, but, you know, that if you would like a copy of the sermon uh, that I use, by and large, uh, I, I try to stick to it, then I will send that to you through this Google group, uh, the, the wonders of technology. Uh, so you just have to email that uh, to that Google group, and I think you'll be added to it. That's how I understand it works, if it's not working. And I send that, by the way, on Sunday morning at about nine, because that's when I, I probably finish it up, or, or maybe even later than that. So don't be panicking. Uh, we have Wi-Fi in the church um, as well, and if you bring your phone or an iPad, then you can follow along as well. So hope that'll be a benefit. If you want to ask more about it, then uh, talk to us about that as well. Um, then over the page, yes, if you want to go to Abbey Church and think about creativity and faith, then that is on uh, this week, Monday, uh, next uh, tomorrow, uh, Monday the 8th. Now, just to say about the AGM, uh, this service after we finish, um, uh, the AGM will take place immediately after this. This is the first time that we've done it, but we're trying to encourage as many people to stay. If you're not a member of the church, of course, you're free to leave, and I will greet you at the front for, the, for five or ten minutes. There's no tea and coffee. Um, so we're not encouraging people to go downstairs, but just in a sense to leave. Um, but you're welcome to stay if you're not a member. Uh, you're not technically meant to vote, uh, but uh, you're welcome to stay. And we're hoping that in half an hour we will hear the reports and we will ratify the accounts and ratify the, the reports. And it is a chance for us to have a short discussion if we want to. So that's what's happening after that. If you have children, uh, who have gone out, you are to bring them back into church if you're staying. Um, and we want to include them as well in this next uh, half hour after the service. So I'm hoping that the service will finish uh, fairly promptly and we'll work it out as it goes. And hopefully if it doesn't work too well this year, we'll, we'll get it better next year. But we'll, we'll do our best and we'll set up for that. Immediately after the service, so five to ten minutes after the service, we will start the AGM. Okay, I think that's all the announcements. Uh, let's just take time to pause and think about the sermon and uh, what we're going to be hearing, because it's quite a profound message, really, even though it's quite simple. Um, and we're going to really think about how deep, how vast is the Father's love for us. It was my sin 
that held him there. That's what we'll be singing. So let's stand and think about this together. Well, folks, if you do have your Bibles, please open them at Mark chapter 15, because we'll have to look at some of the words here to look at the cost um, and why did Jesus have to suffer. So page 1022, and as you're doing that, I'll just ask for God's help. Father, we thank you for this very uh, deep privilege that is ours each Sunday uh, to open your word with freedom and, uh, Father, to have the words of Scripture in front of us. And we pray that as we look more carefully at the life of the Lord Jesus and particularly his death on the cross, that, Father, that we will keep in the back of our minds that question, why did Jesus have to suffer? And that, Father, that you will speak clearly to us, reminding us of the truth of what you want us to know today. Father, we know that this is life-changing truth. We know that it affects the way that we live our lives because it's so enormous. And I pray, Father, that you will help us to understand it and apply it. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. I was, um, I mean, the children were great, weren't they? Um, it's amazing that they knew the price of milk. I was thinking, I don't know the price of milk. Um, it comes in two-liter jars to us. Um, but it is interesting, isn't it? I suppose my introduction here is that our society is dominated and usually prioritizes economics or simply the cost of everything. Decisions are increasingly made within the healthcare section, and even when I was leaving medicine uh, a way back uh, all those years ago in the early 90s, uh, we had this idea of quals and, and how you actually make decisions about the quality of life that can be uh, brought about by a, a certain cost. Leisure is dominated by cost. International relations in particular, I think, are primarily determined by economic benefit. So we sweep under the carpet what countries do in human rights because we're quite prepared because of the economic realities and benefits that we get to put that as a higher priority. Cost is important to us, and we're very clear that we know about the cost of things. So the question here is, as, as Katie has already asked, so what do we think is the cost of sinning? What is the cost of rebelling against our powerful and holy God and living in his world as, he, as we would want? And there are two answers that predominate as we begin this. Firstly, many believe that there's no cost at all. And the reason for that, of course, is that they believe that God does not exist, that they don't have to reckon with God at, life, at all, that there's no life after death, whatever way that is expressed in that way. And, of course, many believe that the cost will be negligible. And the reason they believe that is because their view of God is one of benevolence, that God is just simply loving, that he is an old man, a grandfather figure, who will simply forgive us. And yet, folks, we have been teaching, haven't we, from Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, we have whenever we look at God and the Bible teaches us of God consistently, that he is holy and powerful and all-consuming. He is not an old man. He is spirit. And if we read Isaiah 52 and 53, then we will remember that God sent his servant to suffer for our sins as a substitute. 
And the Bible teaches us that the suffering servant was Jesus, his son, simply. And you'll remember that we read, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So the cost of sin, the Bible tells us, is seen in the cost that Jesus took upon himself on the cross. He was sinless. I did some work on that this week, and I'm not going to give it to you for sake of time. But the Bible is consistent that Jesus was sinless. He didn't feel it himself. No one accused him of it. And his relationship with his father was always intact. And yet he took the cost of sin. And the question we should be asking ourselves is, if there was no cost, why did God the Father let his son suffer? And if there is so little cost, then why don't I just simply pay it myself, as Katie was saying, by some form of religious good works? The premise of our sermon today is that Jesus' suffering shows us the true cost of sinning, and that its severity and complexity is a stark warning. But wonderfully, Jesus bears the cost and gives us hope. And the only hope of avoiding the penalty of our sin and of gaining eternal life in heaven without suffering of any type is found in the reality of the cross. So we're going to look at that under three headings in a moment or two. So I just um, forgotten that we've got this here, so let me put that up. There is a few of those books there if you want to look Uh, Take one, if you haven't already got it, do so, and you can read about this. Um, At the side, Peter, okay, yep, sorry. Ooh, that sounds promising. Okay, yeah, so why did Jesus suffer and die? Okay, Um, I thought I'd put that picture up. Anybody know who this lady is? Oh, I'm surprised that you didn't. You've not been watching your news. Does anybody know who she is at all? The woman who can't feel pain. That's right. Her name is Jo Cameron. And she's the lady who made the news this week. You wouldn't do well in your Irish Times quiz down the Saturday side there. Um, And she's 71 years of age. And she suffers minimal pain because she has a genetic mutation which raises possibilities of treatment and lots of questions about pain and its purpose, of course, which we'll not look at today. But I just thought it was an interesting idea, isn't it, that someone doesn't feel pain. But as we know, we want to look today at the physical suffering of Jesus. And I put up the picture of the Passion of the Christ because I think that film does that particularly well. But have your Bibles there, folks. Let's just look at this. Again, you can work on this yourselves, but um, Jesus did suffer an enormous amount of physical pain. In verse 15 of chapter 15, it says he had Jesus flogged. And you probably have heard many times that that was flogging with either bone or metal fragments at the end of leather uh, whips, and that it tore the flesh off the back of the person or the arms of the person and that often they would die from the sheer excruciating pain of the flogging itself. So Jesus was flogged in verse 15. If you read verses 16 to 20, you read about the whole idea of the crown of thorns. And you yourselves know that if you get pricked by a thorn, how painful that is. But 
just the, the crown on his face and beaten with sticks around his face. Verse 19, isn't it? Again, they struck him on the head with a staff. I mean, it's brutal. And then he refused the alcoholic drink, as you see in verse 23. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh. Again, I tried to read up a lot about that. It says in the book that it was narcotic. Um, whether it's just the wine itself or the myrrh has some of those properties, I wasn't able to really find out. Um, but it was to dull the pain. And Jesus didn't do it because he didn't want either his mind or the pain dulled in that sense. And so the cost of sin in this world is physical pain. And the pain that some people have to suffer is staggering. And folks, you know that. You see that on your news. You have to suffer sometimes pain yourself. And the biggest cause of that pain, by the way, in the world is, is war. And war is often because of sin. Well, is usually in, and at heart because of sin. And if you read in your Bibles, you'll see that pain came into the world. In Genesis, we're told that pain came into the world because of the sinfulness of human beings. So I suppose I just want you to get that idea that pain is in the world because of sin. And it's a cost that sin brought to us. And yet I think what struck me most in our book, and I will say this repeatedly, is why did Jesus have to die and the statement comes after that. The cost of sin will be seen most starkly in the world to come. Now, that is a big statement of belief, isn't it? Because Jesus rose from the dead, we believe that there is an afterlife. Because the Bible teaches us that there is a heaven and a hell. And so the simple logic is that Jesus, because he was sinless, and our substitute took our sin and was punished for it with physical pain. This pain that Jesus suffered is the pain that will be part of the punishment for our sin in hell. Terrible pain that is never ending. And in one of the passages where Jesus speaks of hell, which is in this, you can look at it in chapter 9 of Mark's gospel, in verse 42 in, in following. Using symbolic language, of course, he says, look, avoid this at all costs. Pluck out your eye. Cut off your hand. Take off your foot. But do not, under any circumstances, go to hell. Because for Jesus, hell is a place of immense physical suffering and to be avoided. And folks, the reality is that when we look at Jesus on the cross and the physical pain that he suffered as our substitute, literally the agonies of hell, he did this so that we would not have to suffer that. And that when we go to heaven, it will be free of physical pain. I've got... Revelation 21 and 4 open, and I'm going to try and read this at the end of every point I make. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. It's simple but profound. Jesus suffered immense physical pain 
so that you don't have to. And that's why he did it. And secondly, who is this? A young schoolgirl. She wasn't murdered. She committed suicide. Why? Because she was bullied. And how was she bullied? By the internet. Social media. One of many. And again, I'm trying to make the point, folks, that sin brings emotional suffering. That's what it is. The emotional suffering of Jesus. I like the word emotional better in social. It says social in your books. Um, um, but I, I've gone for that. Um, it, it's, but, and if you want to look at the Bible here, let's look at verses 18 and 19. And in many ways for me, this is even more difficult. And I, I've always felt this actually. Do you know, if you know that you're innocent... If you know that you've never done anything wrong and people start accusing you of doing wrong and making light of you and annoying, you know, and if you have that power to do something about it, I think this humiliation is so hard to deal with from a human level. So they began to call out, Hail, King of the Jews. They were mocking him. And they fell on their knees and they paid homage to him. Verse 24 Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. He was naked. He was paraded publicly through the streets. He was humiliated at every turn. He was insulted, as you see in verse 29, by the passers-by. He was insulted again in verse 31 by even the criminals who were on the crosses beside him. He was, I think that's 32, sorry, and he was... He was humiliated as well by the religious leaders of the day. The people who counted, the people who everybody looked to, were humiliating him. And ultimately, he was all alone. And you know that many people feel that sense of isolation and shame and humiliation. And folks, I do not want to make light of this. I realize this is a real issue. And I would argue that when we could look at almost every age group in society and we can identify increasing emotional and social suffering. And I was absolutely shocked this week because I tend to watch Sky Sports News. And I just, it's all I have, but I just look to see what's going on. And there was a black player who plays for Juventus who was ridiculed because of his skin color. It's become a huge issue, hasn't it, with Raheem Sterling and lots of the England players as well. How shocking that is. How terrible that is. And the reality of the Bible is, is that that is a consequence of sin. And that it will be worse in hell. In the Gospels, Jesus often talked of hell. And he didn't give literal descriptions, and, but he gave us pictures and phrases that are meant to capture our minds. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Their worm that does not die. Torment. And the reality, folks, is that Jesus paid this price for us on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. 
And again, his payment is so complete and our recreation perfect that in heaven there will be no emotional or social suffering. There will be love and harmony and glory and honor and peace forever. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order has passed away. This is our hope. And lastly, the darkness. I did have a picture in my mind of someone else, um, but I, I'm going to leave that in this way as well. I was really struck, by the way, if you've got your Bibles there, verse 33, by the whole idea of darkness at midday. It's meant to, st we read this so often, don't we? It doesn't really impact us in the way that it should do. At death, at the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land. That sixth hour, by the way, is 12 midday until the ninth hour, which is three o'clock. So from 12 to three, when it should have been light, of course, it's dark. And if you read your Bibles, particularly John's gospel, you'll find that darkness is a, is a metaphor, a picture of sin. It's a metaphor of judgment and of punishment. So what's happening at this very moment in time is, is just telling us that, that there is a judgment going on, that there's a withdrawal of light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So God is withdrawing from his son. He's removing mercy. He's removing grace. And he's just punishing and the world sadly contains many who are in darkness and have no concern, no insight, and are spiritually blind. And I think that's our next, the spiritual suffering of Jesus. Because this actually is the heart of the gospel. Jesus suffered the agony of physical pain, emotional pain, but it was the withdrawal of God himself because of our sin. And he did that, of course, that so that we wouldn't have to be separated from God. And folks, there's a real mystery in this. There's a depth in this that tests the limits of our human mind. God the Father forsaking God the Son. However, when he suffered, as you see in verse 38, the curtain was torn in two as a sign that the separation between God and humanity was removed. So Jesus suffered spiritual separation. Why? so that we would not have to. And folks, it will be worse in hell. And sadly, that is not understood because people are blind. How common is it for people to say, and I have heard this, hell won't be so bad because that's where my friends will be. And they imagine, do they not, that it's just a continuation of this world. And they do not imagine what it will be like without the reality of any fragment of light, any fragment of grace, any fragment of mercy, of only having profound regret, of only ever being hopeless, of only ever being in despair, and without any hope of restitution or light from God. 
folks, in light of the most holy, powerful, awesome God and the terrible offense of our sin to that God, we are meant to see in the cross the enormous cost of our sin. But we are also meant, and that's where we need to focus, that God in his love knew that, and that is why he sent his son to suffer. Why did Jesus have to suffer physical, emotional, and spiritual pain? It is simply so that you and I would not have to suffer that pain in hell. And surely, folks, whenever we hear that and when we see that, if God has opened our eyes to that, there can be no other response but to call out for mercy and to rejoice in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, to confess him as our Savior and Lord, to ask again for his mercy and grace, and to follow him wholeheartedly for the rest of our lives. And if you or I do not let Jesus pay the cost, sadly, we will pay the cost for ourselves one day when we die or when he comes back again. And we're going to sing when we give our offering these words. Such love, pure as the whitest snow, such love weeps for the shame I know. Such love paying the debt I owe. O oh, Jesus, such love. Such love stilling, stilling my restlessness. Such love filling my emptiness. Such love showing me holiness. O oh, Jesus, such love. Such love springs from eternity. Such love streaming through history. Such love, fountain of life to me. O oh, Jesus. Such love. Let's pray. Father, the enormity of this has weighed heavily upon me this week. The enormity of this is just sometimes too hard to really think through. And Father, we are simply in awe of what you have done in Christ Jesus, your Son. We thank you for his suffering so that we wouldn't have to. And I pray that you will help us, each one of us here today, who have seen the truth of this from your word, to actually allow you to be our Savior, and our Lord. And that, Father, that we will know the joy of sins forgiven, that we will know the, the, the joy of the penalty of sin removed, that we will know the joy and the hope of having our names written in the Lamb's book of life, and of knowing that we will, and are, or that we will be and are now in heaven, and that the punishment is gone. So, Father, forgive us that we don't take this seriously enough. Forgive us, Father, when we're so enamored by other things around us. Forgive us, Father, when we're not joyful and we don't live as we should do. But, Father, I pray that you will help us to know that Jesus loves us deeply.
and that he has shown that love in the cross. And we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, let's worship God as we give our offering to him, and we can sing this together if you so wish. Thank you. Well, folks, as we come to pray for others, um, uh, let us just bow our heads and think about that. At this time, um, some of you will uh, know Tommy and Jennifer are not here today. Uh, Jennifer's mother, uh, Mrs. Edith Wright, passed away this week and was buried yesterday. She was in her 93rd year of her life, and our thoughts and prayers and sympathy uh, go to Jennifer and to the wider family. Um, on positive notes, of course, Annie got home from hospital uh, this week and was in really good form. I hear she's a wee bit sick uh, over the last wee while, but she's been uh, at home and positive. And um, someone had 70 guests at their birthday party yesterday as well. Um, so, Winnie, happy birthday. And uh, it's great to uh, just to be able to celebrate that and to, to think about that as well. So life is made up of uh, positive and, and sad things, uh, but we look to the Lord in them all. So let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you for your cross. And Father, as we think about Easter, we want to pray for our Easter outreach. Uh, we thank you for the plans that we've made about this series on transformation, uh, why we need it, how it was anticipated in the scriptures, and how it was the cross that brought it to bear on Good Friday. And Father, it is a message that is needed We've just been looking at pictures of people um, who suffer and, uh, Father, who don't suffer in some ways. And, and yet, Father, there's such need out there. And Jesus is the answer ultimately. And, Father, I pray that you will move our hearts, that you will help us to think, how can we be involved? How can we share this good news about Jesus? And, Father, I pray that you will just give us a desire to pray, a desire to help, a desire to come. I pray that you be with particularly David and Katie and uh, myself and Tommy and others who will be organizing this and Barbara, and that, Father, that you will cause us as we just plan these things to know your guidance and your help, and that, Father, that we will all be able to just declare as clearly as we can uh, the amazing love of our Lord Jesus. We pray particularly for Joe Donnelly as he prepares and as he comes. We know that he's busy, but we pray that you will give him time to prepare and that, Father, that he will come and that he will be able to speak winsomely about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for answer to prayer. Father, it was lovely to see Annie this week and to see her so positive, to see her feeling well and to be able to get home. We continue to pray that you will hear our prayers for her, that you will cause her, even though she's feeling still very weak, that you will uh, just give her the patience that she needs and the wisdom for the medical staff to know what to do going forward. We do give thanks for Winnie. And we thank you, Father, for the very good friend that she is to so many of us. And we thank you, Father, for her uh, years of life and for the celebration of her birthday yesterday. And we pray that you will continue to bless her 
and her ministries within this church. And Father, we pray for Tommy and for Jennifer in particular, and for Dorothy and for June and for Derek, and for the wider family circle as they grieve the loss of their mother, a grandmother, and a good friend. And Father, we pray that you will comfort them with the, the joy and the knowledge of the cross, and that, Father, that they will know that, uh, Father, that there is no pain, there is no tears, and that there is no sadness in heaven. So I pray that you would be with them and very close to them at this time. And Father, we live in a broken world, and we want to continue to pray for those that we've been uh, thinking about in church and chains. We pray for Nasser today from Iran. He's been in prison since 2018, falsely accused. He is a Christian, but he's falsely accused of conspiracy and hurting the country and his trial was unjust, he's been unwell, and Father, it's very hard for him. We pray for his three friends that he was befriending from Azerbaijan who are Christians and were able to flee and get away to their own country. And we realize that it's not easy to live in that country either. And Father, we simply pray that you will support him and strengthen him. We thank you that we hear he's doing well, that he has the support of other Christians in Evan Prison in the capital Tehran. And Father, we want to pray for freedom for the church of Jesus Christ in Iran. And Father, you know the needs of everyone in this church. You know the needs of those who cannot be here today. And Father, we simply name them before you. And we pray that you would be with them. And that, Father, that you, they will trust in you. Put your hope in God, my Savior and my Lord. I pray that we will echo the psalmist's thoughts and that, Father, that we will know that in reality throughout this week. So thank you for this service. Thank you for being able, for being with us, and we pray that you will part us with your blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's focus our thoughts now on the Lord Jesus as we stand to sing, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Well, folks, we, um, for those who are going, um, I will go to the door and greet you now. For those who have children to collect and want to come back, then do that now and bring them back in. Um, and we will get ready at the front, and we'll try and begin this annual general meeting at 25 past 12. Thank you.